Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Emergency edition of the Winning Plays Podcast is here on a Friday afternoon, on a beautiful day in New England this summer. I'm Brian Robb, joined by Ryan Berndoni, but we are here in front of our computers because Brad Stevens decided to waste no time as president of basketball operations of the Celtics to make his first big move. Uh, one the whole world apparently saw coming and is going to brag about knowing about, including myself and Ryan. Uh, Campbell Walker being sent for Al Horford and Moses Brown as a little uh, bonus with the Celtics sitting out the number 16 overall pick and then some other second round picks switching hands. All right, Ryan, let's just get into it. Just initial initial thoughts on the timing of this. I think that's the most, this deal getting done is not surprising. The timing of it, I think, what's your take on it before I go into it? I agree the deal isn't uh, particularly surprising. And as you uh, alluded to, everybody who has talked about the, you know, the sort of world of trading Kemba Walker, they all, this was nobody's favorite trade, I don't think, but it was everybody's like fallback trade. Well, you probably had one that you were like, I like this one more or whatever, but everybody put this out into the world of like, this is maybe the most likely thing to happen. Uh, In large part, I think, because all of the other trades we make up, you don't actually know if the other team wants to trade the players that you're trying to trade for, right? Like, I don't know if the Clippers want to trade Luke Kennard or if the Magic want to trade Terrence Ross or whatever. We know that Oklahoma City wanted to trade Al Horford. So it just became, a, you know, this sort of logical thing that you would always put in and be like, or maybe they'll trade him for Al Horford. Um, and the timing, I mean, the timing that it's not a week later or two weeks later or something like that, or not at the lot, you know, not at the draft, I guess is, is somewhat surprising. There were the people who are sort of, you know, the Bobby Marxes of the world were like, nobody ever makes trades here before the combine. You know, you would like to see who's out there because maybe you fall in love with somebody at the draft or something like that. But it's just, I don't think it makes that big of a deal if it's, you know, now or a couple of weeks from now. And honestly, if, you, if you're going to make this trade and you go to the combine and you fall in love with somebody at the 16th pick and you don't make the trade because of it, like you're probably just way overvaluing something like the combine anyway, right? Like that's not a good oh, yeah. way to operate. Well, I feel like, so, right, it's, it's, it's a, it comes down to like, the Celtics knew if, if for whatever reason, if another team sold themselves on Horford as, you know, a potential destination this offseason, this option would go away and the Celtics don't have potentially no outs at that point with Kemba Walker. So them just jumping on it now when they, you know, found something that was agreeable here is like, okay, with, let's not risk anything. Let's just get this done. And then on top of obviously the drama of, you know, what is, would be a, not an ugly situation, but a, clearly a situation where, you know, Kemba, wasn't particularly happy and obviously the Celtics wish they could he was healthier and was a better fit this last year but none of those things were the case 
Yeah, I mean, the out, of course, could always be there if you just don't trade him and, like, everybody gets over right. and moves on with being professionals who are, you know, it's not like Kemba was a malcontent or something. No, no, Whether no. He wants to move, but I don't think he wants to be in Oklahoma City either. No. Uh, so it's not like this is some... No, this isn't good for Kemba. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, if, if you gave him a good for the one, he would probably be like, oh, maybe I would rather be on the Celtics still. Yeah. Uh, or maybe not, because maybe he's going to move on from there to another team, and Oklahoma City will get yet another pick out of this chain of events <laughs> and trading all these players for picks. I don't, there's no way of really knowing that. But, um, yeah, I agree that somebody else could have swept in and grabbed Al Horford, <laughs> but I don't think that was going to happen. I think that they like Al Horford. That's one of the things that, that we can talk about. I'm sure we could yeah, let's, let's go there. About this on concerns, things that concern you about it, things that you think are positives about it. Uh, and not to start on, on the negatives, because this isn't like a huge negative, but one of the things that you do worry about, you sort of put in the back of your mind and you can't evaluate on this yet from one trade is like, there's a long history of people moving into front offices and making trades based on players who they worked with before and like, or who, you know, basically whipped them in, in games against them in the past. And like the Celtics went out and got Al Horford and Moses Brown. And is it, so you do worry that it's like Brad Stevens making a trade because it's a guy who he knows and likes and a guy who, you know, hung a 2020 game on, on the Celtics. Um, and that from that standpoint, maybe that, you know, they, they just particularly liked this move as opposed to any of the other hypotheticals that have been thrown out there. Doc applauded and, this move from afar. From yeah, time. exactly. That's the joke, this. right? There's all these, and it's, it's a real thing though. It's the thing that you don't want to fall into the trap of, of having these people who don't have a ton of experience um, or at least recent experience, particularly with sort of looking at the league and you need to, from a team building perspective, who fall into the trap of like, I like this player. He's been good for me in the past. And like, they don't even have a coach yet. So who knows? how the coach the coach that they get is going to want to play will Al Horford be a fit I don't really know all, all those things that come into it and so from a timing perspective ultimately what I think it is is that Brad Stevens thinks that Al Horford's a good player who has something left and that they wanted to get you know move Kemba and they didn't want to like you said risk whatever the small risk was that somebody else would come in and grab him grab Horford and so they made the trade and like I don't think there's a whole lot more to it than and from a timing perspective like I said I don't think there's any like magic thing about waiting till the combine or waiting to the draft to make yeah. it. it's they're not this is a, a largely financially driven trade and those finances we're not going to ch- you know change two weeks from now right but yeah like if it was only a five percent chance that this would go away but the sellers were convinced that anything better would come up in terms of uh kemba alternative options and yeah like they're just just do it now and same thing for for presti you know maybe the Celtics do fall in love with someone at 16 or in that range and get second thoughts so maybe that's why they probably were like yep let's let's just get this done and we'll rebuild kemba's value for a year and Someone can take them for, and we'll take another bad contract next year. Um, all right. So to respond to your Al Horford comments about the, the fit and stuff and whether it's um, from a non-court perspective, the reason why I am a fan of it is a standpoint of like, it not only it's okay if he is still over the, the hill here, more than we think because of the whole financial aspect of it. I think you're getting the money relief, not for next year, as much as, you know, two years, you know, for the following season. But on top of that, it's entirely possible that Horford makes more sense for this roster next year than Kemba. Kemba's a better player. There's no question about that. But in terms of what fits and what this team needs as a, you know, a stretch big that can play, you know, realistically 20, 25 minutes a game tops at this point that he makes sense for this roster and also makes other parts of this roster expendable quickly, which we can get into later, but just having being able to check both those boxes in this deal, Ryan makes me think that, yeah, it's, you know, it's going to hurt if number 16 overall pick turns into something, but you, you understand why they, they take that risk. 
I agree. I mean, it's it, as a trade, like it's fine. Um, I don't, I don't think it's like an amazing trade. It's not something that I would, you know, have been like hoping that would happen or something like that, but, but I get it. Um, and I think it certainly can work out. I think it opens up other possibilities for them. Some, you know, decently good. Some of them are just sort of like, yeah, okay. You know, what is, where does that really lead you? I, I'm not sure. Um, I don't love having $40 million tied up at the center position. Yeah. That's a, that's an issue. It's, you know, <laughs> it's not the way that you want to build a, a roster right now. Um, but in terms of some of that financial stuff, the way I look at it is that Kemba's contract was probably $15 million a year under water, right? He's a $20 million sort of, that might be generous for, you know, it's, he was playing well at the end of the year. <laughs> he was an all-star one year before. Um, people do get healthy again, right? Like, I don't, unless his medicals are like garbage, I, I really don't know. But I, I think they, I think they are though, because it's like where he's, if he didn't have the history of knee stuff throughout his career, that would be one thing. He obviously but played he through a lot I of I mean, he missed 20 games in but seven he, years. He like, probably he played through a lot of any, his, okay, his, but he was playing through them. My point is yeah. like, it's entirely possible that he goes out and averages 20 points a game next year on decent shooting. And it's like, a, you know, that gets you $20 million as a, as a point guard. Um, and so he was maybe $15 million underwater and how, and Horford is probably about the same. Like if he was on the open market, would somebody give him two years for the full MLE? Yeah, probably, you know, Serge Ibaka sort of money, fine. And so I don't, you know, you're, you're sort of just shifting where your bad money is allocated. And so you can't really say that it's $40 million at center because if it's $40 million at center, but 15 million of it is dead and that 15 million would have been dead at the point guard position, it's, you know, it, so you, you can't really look at it that way. But right. just from a pure roster construction perspective, it's not great in the modern NBA to spending $40 million at center. So I don't love that. But yeah, I mean, if he comes in and plays, I don't know how many minutes a game, but, you know, and, and does a good job and plays specifically center because we saw that he cannot be a power forward anymore in, in Philadelphia, um, then there's a, a potential that he can, you know, give you something uh, that's, that's valuable. I, I think it's likely, I think Kemba's ceiling is certainly higher oh, than yeah. where they are now. But we knew that we knew they were going to be trading if they traded Kemba, that they were going to be getting somebody whose ceiling is lower or a couple of guys who are like that and fill a different role. And like, that's what I mean. I'm not against the trade. I just think it's fine. It's, it's what you do when you're trapped in a not great situation is that you make a trade that doesn't look amazing because you're not trading from a position of like particular strength. And so if you come out, you know, C plus B minus, then that's still better than average. Right. So that's okay. Uh, it's just sort of the way it works. Right. And you had Horford coming off of what six months off here. Um, yep. He only played 28 games last year um, and had very limited minutes in those probably played no back-to-back. So there's obviously going to be managing with him done by this training staff. I'm sure at age 35 with his, you know, chronic knee issues himself, um, not last year, but just over time, but it's, that's more manageable. And so I guess that comes to, Let's talk about the, the front court depth chart now for a second with Horford in here, Moses Brown, who we'll talk about a little bit more later. I think, you know, how big of a plan he is going forward, that remains to be seen, but he's certainly going to get a look at if nothing else um, based on what I'm hearing. So you have Horford, you have Tristan Thompson on an expiring deal. You have Rob Williams also on an expiring deal, but will be a restricted free agent. You're able to talk extension from now, obviously. And you have Moses Brown under contract for three more years at minimum money. You have, and then you have Grant Williams as the, the tweener as a six foot four tweener. 
at center. Um, how soon do they trade Tristan? Uh, ideally quickly. Um, <laughs> now, so the only caveat I will, I will have that is like I said, you don't want to have this much money tied up at the position, but if your way of getting rid of Tristan is that you have to trade another draft pick in the future, like you don't really no. want to do that either. You got to find a team that just will take it. Yeah. So can you find another, you know, bad contract for a position that you would rather have? Of course, the problem there is that wings are just more valuable than centers. So, and you have tons of small, you know, you have lots of, of shooting guards right now. So you don't need that point guards and wings are more valuable than centers, a roughly equal contract. That's another bad player. It has to be like really bad playing wing or, or power forward to get traded for a backup center. So it's a hard trade to, to put together. And so this goes back to something that, that we talked about at times last year with when Brad was the coach, instead of the, the head of the, the organization, there is a solution here, which is that you don't play Tristan Thompson, that like he's on your roster and that if, Al Horford and Robert Williams are both healthy, then he just doesn't play and you still pay him. And like, that's just the way it goes. There's a lot of guys, as I've said multiple times, like there are lots of guys around the league who have some amount of name recognition and history who get to be a certain point in their career and they just don't get to play every night anymore. And they're unhappy about it. And that's the thing that the coach has to deal with. And so there, that is the other solution is that you carry them all. And it, when Rob you know, or, or Al can't go, then he's your backup center. Uh, or which could be a lot by the way, foul trouble or yeah, absolutely. You know, that's not to say that he won't, that he's going to play eight, eight games or something like he's going to play a decent, your third center on this team is going to play a decent amount. He's going to get foul trouble and injuries and back-to-backs and everything else. But there will be nights where it's just Tristan Thompson, DNP CD. And that's, you know, again, not ideal allocation to have your third center being making $10 million a year, but like it's better than, um, trading them away for a trade exception that you're never going to use and having to give a first round draft pick to do it. And then having to re-sign somebody into that spot and cutting into your other flexibility. Like, so it's, it, if they can get something, if it works as a part of a larger trade, then obviously they should move him right away, but it's not like an absolute yeah. lock that they remove right. him. They just have to manage it correctly. You can't be out there being like, we're going to play Tristan Thompson and Al Horford together. You can't do that. No. Just whoever the next coach is has to be willing to, sit somebody on the bench who who's a veteran instead of trying to force them all into the court together. Cause it won't work. Right. And I agree hundred percent. And hopefully that is a, I mean, they're, they're, they're far better position to, to do that here, but here's why I think that even you don't even need to keep, I, I like your plan of, you know, just, just wait and, until a good deal services for, for Tristan, whether it's this summer, or maybe you have to wait halfway through during the season when some team gets desperate or just says like, okay, that's the guy I can, you know, put us over the top or someone gets hurt. So he becomes, you know, appealing at $9 million or whatever, but the Celtics getting Moses Brown here has to be like a fourth center who could, you know, Tristan Thompson is far better than Moses Brown, but Moses Brown makes 10% of what Tristan Thompson does. And if you only need a guy like that periodically, assuming that they, you know, he grows a little bit as a player at 21, he's not gonna put up the stats he did in, in OKC because he's not going to play as much on the team that, you know, isn't meant to lose. Um, but there is some, some legit promise there. And so could he fill in here or there? Sure. So you don't necessarily even need to keep Thompson as the injury protection depth. It would be nice to have obviously, but you don't need that with Brown being in the mix now. And so you can really pick your spot there of Thompson a little better for the Celtics whenever you find something that looks appealing. Oh yeah. I mean, absolutely. I'm not saying that the ideal is to keep Tristan Thompson. The, the ideal would be that you move him and like get the whole band back together, re-sign Aaron Baines for the minimum, <laughs> right? Like that's, 
actually what you would want yeah. to do. You would want a veteran big bodied to sort of balance out your, your options, veteran third center who just isn't going to play a whole lot and they make the minimum and you get out of that 9 million and, and nine ten million that, that Thompson is making and you are able to deploy it somewhere else on the roster and in better use. I'm just saying like, if you can't, because if nobody wants him <laughs> and your options are, I can trade him somewhere, but I have to give up next year's pick, which means that then when another pick trade comes up, I can't trade anything until three years out from now. Like you can't encumber your future too greatly in terms of both trades and your, the way that you're going to be adding, you know, young talent in the future to just to dump a year of Tristan Thompson, you might have to bite the bullet on it. That's bad roster construction, but it might be better than the other bad options. And, and if that's the case, then, you know, you just have to live with that. But yeah, obviously I would rather trade him for something that fits better and then go sign some other big veteran or, you know, not big, veteran, big bodied veteran for a minimum. I don't know who that would be. What, what are the chances? Say. What are the chances they sell high on Rob Williams? Not zero. Um, it would be very frustrating to me if they were to do that. Uh, now, obviously, if what you get back is like another young player with high upside or something like that, then that's a different conversation. Uh, but yeah, if they trade him for the 25th pick next year or something like that, then that's going to be very frustrating to me because, again, things that we've talked about in the past, right? Like what's really matters for this team is where they are going into the next, the end of this contract for Jalen and Jason and then into the next contract, not necessarily where they are this year. Like the difference between the three and the four seed next year or the three and the six seed next year is less interesting to me than where they are a couple of years from now. Um, and because of the drain and talent in so many other places, you then have to take some risks with what you're doing. And I understand that signing Rob and counting on his health is a risk, but like one of the places that you can very quickly replenish your talent base is signing Rob Williams to an extension and then having him turn into, you know, the player that we think he might be able to be. Um, and so if you were to cut bait on that and then just sort of have this team of young players and two young stars with a bunch of like short-termist veterans making kind of crappy contracts around them, like that's not a good fit for anything. So it would be disappointing. Again, like I said, if you trade them and you get the 10th pick in the draft or yeah, some other you get a, really you high. Pull it over. Yeah, sure. Then that's a different conversation. But um, yeah, I don't want them to dump him and be like, we're moving him because we don't have minutes for him. And so we're going to, and we don't want to extend him. So we're going to take the, you know, whatever. Yeah pick well this is and this gives you again it gives you flexibility in those negotiations it obviously helps your positioning with fournier's um on the open market as that develops and we'll get more into that you know in future episodes here uh, but obviously the odds of m fournier being a Celtics next year just went up by a lot um and then even like smart too but like you're you have there's not that there was any pressure to move smart this offseason but the the viability of you know, being willing to pay him, or if you're known find a ticket for Kemba, the squeeze on the payroll would have been pretty tight. Um, so someone like Fournier, Kemba, and Smart all weren't going to be here next season, and they took care of that problem right away. Yeah, I mean, everybody has said that, right? Two of the three at most. And now there's two of the three. Well, there's one of the three that's here. Right. There's and it could be could be one. Could One more could still move. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there is the thing that, that we don't often talk about, which is that Evan Fournier might just not want to be here right he may just get a better offer somewhere else and yeah. it's like if the knicks come in offering 20 million dollars for you know 80 million dollars for four years it's like oh well that's just the end of that isn't it um and and you can't necessarily account for that and we've learned that lesson in recent free agency periods where the celtics have a line of reasonability and other teams do something that they don't think is reasonable uh but yes the the capability of having those two remain 
uh, with the team is um, much more in play now than it, than it was before this trade. And on the smart front, like he's the starting point guard now. (laughs) And if you believe that he's going to be your starting point guard beyond this year, which I actually think is a completely reasonable thing. We were sort of talking offline and and text about like how I, you know, how I think it's an intelligent way to build a team around Jalen and Jason, especially if Jason's going to become more and more of a point forward and like to build defensive flexibility around them. They get, they allow you to do that in a way that most other young stars don't, if they don't play the wing. Um, And so having Marcus be your point guard would be fine. And if the talk about how he wants an extension is true, like his max extension is only 20% more than he makes now. Like you could very reasonably just extend Marcus for 20% more than he makes now add a couple of years and have him be your starting, your starting point guard. Um, And I think that also becomes more likely now that Kemba's out of the picture because you need a point guard. Uh, And that's not to say that I expect that to actually happen, but like I, if you would ask me yesterday, that seemed less likely than it does now. Right. Right. For sure. And I mean, to be honest, this was something, whatever, when, when Kyrie walked out the door in 2019, I thought this was the avenue they were going to pursue at the time is be like, okay, see what smart at point guard looks like full time. Um, and we saw how that turned out. I mean, it turned out obviously very well for a year when, when Kimball was healthy, but then uh, went sideways. So now that's the, the logical fit there. Um, not to say that they won't bring in, you know, they, they could, test his value on the market right now um and if they find a better fit um i think that could certainly be in play or allow him to move to just to be a a, do everything six man i think that could be in play too um but the odds again went up a lot in addition to fournier being around for for smart being around for next season let's talk about horford for a minute in terms of is he going to finish his career as a Celtics? I'm curious right now. I mean, I think the odds are he's going to be here next year. The Do you think they waive him um, just to, to dump that? Or do you think more after this year? Or do you think the odds are there is a path to some cap room if they, you know, again, you'd have to probably attach a pick to move that deal but that deal would have to be fully guaranteed, right? If they move it, they wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to trade them and only have the 14 million guaranteed or, or you, or yeah. would you still be, you can still do that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they could, it, it would obviously depend on how they, how they trade them and who they're getting back and, and all that. But like, if you're trading him into cap space or something like that, just to clear the money, then yeah, you can trade him without having to guarantee it, but they okay. would have to be able to take the whole contract in. Right. Um, it's, I do not think that they are going to end up waiving him. They may trade him. Yeah. Um, because you don't want, as we've talked about again, over and over, like the, the drain of not just talent, but of financial resources over the last couple of years has to stop at some point. And that means rolling it very well, you know, could mean rolling bigger contracts into smaller contracts that last longer. These things that we've been sort of harping on. Um, so it may be that they, that they trade him at some point. The problem with, with waving him is that he may, he's got 14 and a half million dollars guaranteed. If he had $0 guaranteed, then right. they would say, okay, sure. But you know, you wave him. And That's a lot of dead money. Him. Yeah, you get you save like twelve million dollars, right? Out of or thirteen million dollars. I don't even know exactly. I don't remember exactly what his. Yeah, so it's thirteen. Half, so it's like fourteen, right? fourteen point five, yeah. twenty-seven and change. So you eat. Would you rather eat thirteen million in dead money, or you know, pay thirteen million in real money with thirteen million that is sort of de facto dead money on top? Like, if you think he's a nine or ten million dollar player, like, is it worth it to carry that amount of dead money to save? $4 million on what you think like his absolute actual value is. And if you're, 
they're not going to go a cap space route by waving him unless you stretch him and then you're taking like cap hits for three years. The whole thing of it is just, if you end up waving him, then I think that this trade looks worse because it means that it didn't work in a way that had any value. And it didn't work in a way that you even held on to hoping to make some other trade. So it just like, it just doesn't look very good if that's where this ends up in terms of what it means for the team. And it could be useful too, as a player. Like at like said, I mean. at that money. Like if he doesn't, if you are waving him, you're basically saying he he didn't work out as a player or as a contract play, and so we gave up a first round pick to save some cash next year that isn't going to become cap space, I don't think. Um, and like it just doesn't get you anywhere really. And so if that happens, then I think that would would portend some some negative outcomes. So I expect that he will play you know, on, on this contract and that at least won't be the Celtics who wave him. It's possible somebody else trades for him and then, and then does wave him or something like that. But um, I hope that it, it doesn't end up there. I mean, I know you're more on the idea of them going a cap space route than I am. Yeah. Um, And I think, I I mean, this is a viable, this is, this is the move that needed to be made to get there to at least have that be a potential viable option. Like they have a lot of other stuff they need to do and it's probably not going to work out. And there's probably going to be other contracts that they want to sign where they, so it doesn't happen, whether it's, you know, Time Lord, Smart, whatever, Fournier, you have to keep everything super short term and that's a risky play. But you can, if you hold off on all those, you can still have those options on the table if you're the guy you're going after doesn't work out, whether it's via trade or a free agent play. So this sort is not though, the... Right? Because like you're going to have to make Rob unrestricted in order to open up that space to even like make this an option. You're going to have to let smart go. Like you aren't going to have, you can't keep all of these, all the balls in the air and go the max cap space route. You just, at some point you have to say, right, but like all this stuff away because I'm chasing this other, this other route that is much higher risk and reward maybe, but like you can't there, the, just the process and the math does not allow you to play both games. You won't, but and, you'll be able to like, you should have an answer from Beal or whoever you might want in that scenario, like right out of the gate there. But at least you late. need to. You have the intel. You have to get the intel. I agree with you. Like you, you have to have the intel on that where you feel and, very, very. Sh- and I don't even know. I don't even know if that's the right play. I don't know if he, he even walks makes away sense and he that. takes a meeting with somebody else and like goes and somewhere else, and you're left completely high and dry. Like it, the the risk on this is huge. The, Tatum's got to do his job. Then you have to have you have the if you can't get the right intel on Beal, then you give up. So here's my question. Um, I give you. I I tell you that in the future, Bradley Beal is guaranteed to be a Celtic. To just take out the possibility much more likely possibility that he is never a Celtic. Sure. Is it more likely that Al Horford gets traded for Bradley Beal or that they sign him as a free agent? Probably trade. That's what I think. Is that the most likely way you get Brad Beal is at the middle of this season, he says, I want to be traded. I am going to opt out and I'm going to leave the Washington Wizards. I want to be traded. I will be I will only agree ahead of time to re-sign with these three or four teams. And that one of them is the Celtics, and the other three teams have nothing to trade for him. And the Wizards have wanted Horford for a while, too. And (laughs) they like being the eight seed. And Russell Westbrook needs a shooting center. And you can sell yourself on the idea of Al Horford and, you know, Davis Bertans making space, whatever. None of that even matters. What you sell (laughs) yourself on is this contract matches. It's half guaranteed next year. And the Celtics are going to give me three first-round draft picks and three swaps. And the other teams that he has said that he'll go to are all fake because none of them have draft picks. He's only putting them on the list to make himself seem reasonable. And he wants to go to the Celtics and play with Jason Tatum. And that's the way you get Brad Beal. It's not by like, well, we have some idea that he's going to want to come here. And so we've gotten rid of Marcus Smart and Robert Williams and Al Horford 
and we traded, you know, whatever we gave away a, a young player because we needed to open up every dollar and Al Horford's guarantee means that we have to get rid of Aaron Neesmith. Now, like that wrote that route just seems so much less likely to me than the thing that we have seen over and over, which is that these players decide who they want to play with and then they force it to work. <laughs> um, and so I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Keeping, keeping all your draft picks would be nice, but you're right. Cause the, the collateral damage for your other players you lose in that scenario is probably or worth more than those picks. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Cause you're going to be in a win now trick win now route at that, at that time, right? Like if you have Tatum Brown and Beal, and as I've said, like trading Brown for Beal, I think just is kind of dumb, not because they're not good, but because Tatum and Beal together are not going to be good enough without and Beal makes so much money. Beal makes so much more money than Brown too. Like in terms of like, Philly so, filling I mean, out the rest of the roster. You have to be able, you, the ownership has to be willing to pay like a lot of money for any of this to happen, which is right. again, it's much more likely that Brad Beal never plays for the Celtics. Um, but I just think that like the route to getting there is much cleaner that way. And that's one of the things about this trade that is okay. I talked about, you know, some of the things that are like a little concerning, whatever the draft pick that they traded means that as soon as this draft is passed, they can trade all their future picks again. So if a big trade like that comes along, they're not, hung out to dry where they've only got, you know, two picks down the line that they can trade. They could trade four picks and three swaps again. Um, Horford for all that his contract is big and negative, big negative contracts often get involved in, in, in trades and it's smaller than, than Kemba's. And so somewhat easier to trade and has that half guarantee, like a lot easier to trade. It's not like they gave it, you know, yeah, it's not like they've closed off all avenues to adding a better player. They've actually kept those avenues open while clearing up some other optionality for doing other things this off season. So that's where I think the, the real positives are is that they didn't like sell out anything crazy to do this. It's pretty reasonable. Right. Um, yeah. You just, again, you hope number 16 or guys in that range don't, you know, this is supposed to be a really good draft at the top. At least I don't know what the depth is over the rest of the, the way, but I mean, we've seen they've gone down this road plenty of times in the last five or six years. And now they've decided they're clearly, have enough that they want to keep on this roster within that youth to say, Hey, like we don't, would we like to add another potential piece at 16? Sure. But uh, we needed to do this other stuff we want to do, or at least have the options to do that other stuff we want to do. Yeah. The only thing that really sort of hurts me about the draft is, you know, I don't, I don't know anything about the draft. Like I'm not going to pretend to be some draft expert, Um, but it does seem like at that range, there's a lot of guys who fit the positional need that the Celtics have, which is that they, need a big wing who can defend they needed a big wing who could defend last year right. they still need a big wing who defend they're very difficult to get and the draft does seem to have a bunch of guys who are going to be available sort of in that range who might fit that profile now those guys are not going to be able to defend Kawhi Leonard and Kevin Durant as rookies right like you're talking about getting a guy who might be able to do that job two or three years down the line um, but there do seem to be quite a few of them like sort of in that draft range who might be available and so that's like uh, you know you might like to take a flyer on one of those guys and, and the real problem there is that it's hard to envision how they're going to get one otherwise right now. Uh, and, and so, you know, that's like the only thing about the draft pick that, that really bothers me. We've, it's, I find it funny that at the trade deadline, everybody's like, you got to trade the draft pick, you got to trade the draft pick. And then at the end of the season, when the draft is there and everybody's fallen in love with some draft prospect, like you can't trade this draft pick. Yeah. If they had done traded it at the deadline, everybody would be like, ah, well, it's gone. It's, you don't have to worry about it. But you spend the next couple months thinking about all these players who you fall in love with. And then it's like, I can't believe it. I thought for sure we were going to get this guy who I loved and then it's forever lost. Right. It's this like, so I don't know. It's totally fine that they traded the draft pick. They are, and they got a young player who's I don't think worth that, but he's not worth nothing. Um, 
they added and solve some problems. So it's okay. It's just, I'm the same as everybody else. I look at the draft board and go, that guy is six, nine. And it says that he's good in good on defense. And we need one of those. Oh, well. <laughs> All right. So assuming that they don't make another trade here, at least with Tristan, I mean, that, that, that will be out there. What, what do you do now? Like, where are you looking now with the, the taxpayer bid level, your $6 million, if you even spend that, unless maybe, you know, you might not be fully budgeted to spend that if you're bringing back Fournier anyway, uh, depending on how the rest of the roster runs up. But are, do you bring in a veteran minimum point guard for depth or do you want to use your mid-level on, you know, a player or even a trade to, to just a, maybe with Thompson um, to, to target that type of player to, you know, give you more flexibility with smart. Yeah. It would be nice to have another point guard on the team uh, who you felt was a good role. You know, I don't even, I was going to say reliable. I don't know how reliable they need to be. You need, it would be nice to have a point guard whose first instinct is to pass. Yes. Uh, pass for a point guard be, would be nice. Yeah. And, and I think it is, like I said, sort of critical that it's somewhere here in the near future, they add, a big wing who takes all, takes the defensive pressure off of Tatum, who's going to be doing everything on offense and, you know, sort of unlocks his team defense, help defense stuff that, that was so positive in the first couple of years of his career. And then last year, he just didn't really, didn't really have the same kind of impact on the defensive end. And I think that was probably part of it. Um, and so that position I think is number one, but yeah, point guard, they're pretty light there. That's what happens when you have five centers on your roster and four shooting guards, like, there's just not enough positions left to, to have every other role that you want to have, have filled. Uh, and that's assuming that they, that they resign Fournier, which, you know, seems pretty likely. Um, the yep. problem is that those. Patty Mills is a free agent. Hard. Yeah. Well, that totally uh, Patty Mills isn't passed first, but um, those but guys are threes. Yeah, sure. I mean, Payton, I think that Payne Pritchard probably plays that role. That's true. Already. That's true, done it. Um, and like I said, you, I would like to have somebody whose first instinct is to pass the ball. There aren't uh, TJ McConnell is out there. I would take him. It's fine. He can't Give him the he mid level money, all, but right? he's a, uh, he's, he's scrappy. I don't know if you've heard. <laughs> <laughs> and the, right. You get it. Like the problem is that the money that they have is not enough money to sign that wing that they need because wings get paid and they're not available. Right. And so can, what do you have to give up in order to trade Tristan Thompson for one? Is there this magical wing out there who you can trade Tristan Thompson and your pick next year for, and I don't know if that player exists. Um, and so then you have to live with what you have to live with. The fear is that they're like, well, we better bring back Shemi Ojale. And it's no, that is no. not the solution. That's no. the problem. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but that's where I would, would allocate resources. This is also why I have always had problems with the Evan Fournier trade. It's like, he's a good player, but he plays the wrong position and is, we don't know what he's going to get paid. Um, and that, but that's, you know, that's in the past. So there's nothing, you just have to live with, with what you have now. And it's hard to fill out the rest of that roster in an ideal way. I think you got what a guy, you... you have somebody that you're in love with, with the, no, so I'm, I'm trying to find a pass first point guard yeah. that's out there. And there's really just, it's, it's one or the other, like you, there's mm -hmm. plenty of shoot first guys. Brad Wanamaker will be available. Um, Ish Smith. He's coming back. Um, yeah. If it's, it's, it's TJ McConnell or, or Alfred Payton, if you want to pass first, but that's, those are literally only pass guys and everyone Alfred else Payton is, uh, he could put up 
triple doubles a lot, at least yeah. in Orlando, but not not lately. He also got pulled from the uh, yeah. rotation during uh, the Knicks Hawk series. So yeah, there, but, there's. But I think that's actually a reality. It's like whatever that point guard is that you get is probably not a playoff player anyway. You're right. You're talking about filling out a, a regular season rotation, right? Right. Um, and that's where I think the other position is more important because that other position would be somebody who would play in the playoffs because those players sort of by their nature are playoff playoff guys. So, um, but that's why they go for a lot more money and why they're, they're much harder to find and why they hit the market less frequently. Uh, and it may be that it is a trade down, you know, at the trade deadline or something where you do pay a decent amount in order to make that happen. Uh, would you trade smart for Kyle Anderson? Not now. Um, I think it's even less likely to happen now. Like we really don't have anybody. who. Right. Point I mean, assuming you have a, you have a bat, assuming you're doing a subsequent trade for a, a competent starting point guard. I, I wouldn't just cause I like Marcus smart, but I get the idea. I, you've heard the same thing as me. I assume they talked about it at the trade deadline. They okay. talked about that exact trade at the trade deadline. I don't know who said no. They talked about it seriously. It didn't happen. Why didn't happen? I don't know. Um, but like, this is not, Right. They had the conversation. <laughs> um, and you, it's understandable why. I understand it a little bit less from, um, from Memphis' side because they already have like a lot of guys who are sort of the smart profile, right? Um, but not defensive. Like, they don't have like the stopper smart profile. Uh, I, but they have a lot of guys who are sort of grit and grind, right? Like it's, the, it's always the Memphis way at this point, even if they don't, even if they don't mean to it or if Ja doesn't, doesn't fit exactly into that. Although he's not a shooter either, really. Uh, so I don't know. I I would not make the trade. We have talked, I've talked about this with everybody that I am not <laughs> rational about Marcus Smart because I like Marcus Smart and so I wouldn't want to trade him. Yeah. Um, but but this does make sense. Like Smart feel better him. about, yeah. Like it is, it is again, if you without a good backup plan in place behind Smart right now, then I don't make that trade either. And looking around the the league it, it's tough to find a good one because this this is a deal if you bring back fournier and you get smart back into a role where he's again much more pass first and shoot first which he's had a lot of success in the you know a couple years ago and during the Kyrie era um i think that's a great the player you want him to be um and allows him to again focus more of his energy on the defense too which i think would be um help too after I think taking a little bit of a step back in the area last year yeah so I think that anybody who's watching the playoffs you're before like this thing that happens every year where we go through the regular season you're like I want this player I want that player and then you get the playoffs and it um re it re-emphasizes what type of players can play in the playoffs right last night we saw a game where both teams played six six man rotations and so we know absolutely that Jalen and Jason can play in the playoffs because they are the type of player that excels in the playoffs. Like it is the best thing about the Celtics franchise right now is that they are built for the playoffs when, when those guys hit their, their prime, if they, you know, stay here and are healthy and all that, which obviously they were not healthy this year. So what other players do you know can play in the playoffs? I know Marcus Mark can play in the playoffs. I know he can defend in the playoffs. I know that he is not shy, which can be a good or bad thing, but like there are lots of players who they get out there in the playoffs and like, they don't play the same way. Yeah. Um, and I know that smart has been in the playoffs every single year and that he can do the job and play in the playoffs. Evan Fournier should be able to play in the playoffs. He's the, the player comp that I sort of use for him and have been for this contract is uh, Bogdan Bondanovich 
can play in the playoffs. He can yeah. make shots. He can dribble and pass. The defensive challenges are real. But if Fournier is playing between Smart, Brown, and Tatum, every team is going to have somebody who is some amount of a weakness. If your biggest weakness is six foot seven, Evan Fournier, you're in pretty good shape. Right. If he's your second worst defender and your worst defender is a Kemba Walker and Isaiah Thomas or Kyrie Irving, like then, that's when it becomes a problem. Then you're right? in trouble. Yeah. And so I think that you can make that work. I would, again, I would prefer that you had this magical six foot eight big wing who can shoot corner threes and that you were playing smart Brown Tatum, that guy and whoever else or Fournier and that guy was playing as your small ball center, right? Like I, that's what I would prefer, but I can live with those four guys. I know should be able to play in the playoffs. I'm a little bit worried that Fournier's playoff history is so bad. Yes. It just is, but he was playing in a different role usually in those situations, right? If you're playing him as a third ball handler, spot up shooter, that kind of like, can he, can he do it? We know Horford could play in the playoffs when he was younger. I don't know if Rob Williams can play in the playoffs. Um, I think that's an open question. I think you play off the bench, like 10 minutes off the bench. I think he can. Sure. But if he's your starting center, no, you're saying, where, you don't feel where does that become there. a problem? I don't know if that's the case, but like I talked about, like his upside is that he can be one of those guys. Yeah. And so you have to pay him, I think, and try to lock him up because, because he can be. So like, I think you do have the foundation there of available players who can play in the playoffs. And then you guys have guys who are in your roster who also can play in the playoffs. Aaron Neesmith, if he comes anywhere close to what his like, you know, 70% outcome is, if he gets his 50% outcome, I think he can play in the playoffs. I don't know how much, but 6'6", 6'11", wingspan can shoot and runs around and isn't, again, isn't afraid, can play in the playoffs. Romeo Langford, I think, can play in the playoffs. Like, they have a lot of guys who can do that. And I think that you just kind of want to lean all the way into that with your remaining limited resources of, like, guys who can play in the playoffs is what you need um, because you have this unique situation of, like, you have two stars who have no playoff weaknesses. Yeah. They, you just do. And that's really hard to get, right? Kristaps Porzingis sucked in the playoffs. Ben Simmons is sucking in the playoffs. Even Drew Holiday is really struggling in the playoffs. So you would think that he should be able to play in the playoffs. But like Kyrie Irving gets targeted on defense. And they have weaknesses. Jalen and Jason just have like no playoff weaknesses. And so just keep going into that and try to build a team all around them where like nobody can be targeted. And then you hope that that Jason becomes the best scorer in the league. And he can sort of Kevin Durant his way through some of these games for you when he's 27 years old. And like, that's your path to being really freaking good. <laughs> um, I don't know. This is, has nothing to do with the trade that we're talking about. I'm off. On no, but this is, but this is what's setting it up for it. This is, this is team building and this is finding those pieces to put around those guys. Got a little bit easier after today um, for the long term, And there's still a lot of, a lot of hits that have to be made with other fringe moves and decisions in terms of money. I, for me, looking at this offseason now, I don't, I don't feel comfortable giving Fournier like a long-term deal if it's anything above like $15 million a year. Um, and I honestly, I'll, we'll dive into this later, but I don't, I think his market's going to be um, pretty soft uh, just based on the need, the teams that have cap room and what those teams needs are just going through it. It's just, there's, there's better alternatives than Evan Fournier. I don't think there's a huge Evan Fournier fan out there. When you look at other alternatives in the market, we'll see. Um, I, I think that there will be, it only, as, as it only, only takes one, one but right? it only takes one, it only takes one. And if you're the Memphis Grizzlies, what else are you going to do? Uh, like, we'll see. you know. can, you can sign Tim Hardaway jr. Or no, Will no, Barton. Mavs are going to sign Tim Hardaway jr. <laughs> Kelly Oubre. And Will Barton's not as good. 
and Kelly Oubre sucks and also may end up back where he is even I guess it's hard to tell with, with Gould yeah. say like I just think that that somebody will will likely sign him and I, there are others who agree with you but again Bobby Marks was on whatever podcast and he was saying that I think he was with Chris Forsberg right where he yes, was sir, like yeah he threw out that that Rob Williams's extension would be 70 million dollars I mean, that's I'm what, like, what are you talking yeah, about and then he was talking about Evan Fournier and that he's going to get 12 13 if he gets 12 or 13 million great sign him up right um if he gets 18 and we can talk about that. I mean, we can sort of end here if you want, like where are they right now in terms of the salary cap? Um, if the expectation that I set is that they can be around $10 million over the tax, that seems to be the number that would be reasonable. If they were like a top tier contender, could they go higher? Probably. Do right. I think that they, I don't even know if they'll be able to go that high with where they, you know, with being right. the 17 going out in, in round one, but if you use that as a number, you can sort of make that work if Fournier signs for 18. And if you go beyond that, then you really have to do like you have to trade Tristan Thompson in a way that's right. to trade Marcus Smart. And that, I think, is the number that most people sort of envision because that's about what he makes now. Um, if he makes 12 or 13, then the question that you asked before of like, what are you going to do with the taxpayer mid-level becomes an actual like meaningful question, right? Because if that's putting you from 10 to 15 million and your budget is 10, it doesn't matter who you can sign with it because you can't use it. If you open up that 5 million as usable, then maybe you can use it. It also, there's also a roster spot issue that, that comes into play. Like, can you find somebody who wants to take Carson Edwards? It's a question. Well, how do they not dump him in this deal? Probably because they couldn't make the money work because they needed to, the Brown was for salary matching probably. So Edwards might have no, they could because they could, I mean, so the reason that they did that Brown was included, um, according to, to Adam Himmelsbach anyway, it was primarily for salary matching, which they, they, like I mean, they like him. I've heard that they, you know, they want yeah, to I don't like actually him. know. I don't, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but yeah. they did need somebody for salary matching because if they didn't, then Oklahoma city would have had to renounce like $60 million in trade exceptions that they're holding onto um, to get all the way under the cap. So they could do this as a cap, a cap space move. And so by including him, they preserve all these, all these other trade exceptions, but those trade exceptions, they could have taken Carson Edwards into, right? So like any one of right. those little, little trade exceptions, they could have just taken Carson Edwards. And once again, they haven't. We haven't talked about, uh, what are your thoughts on Brown period as a player? I have no idea. So Come on, I mean, you watched him did 20, did you not watch that Saturday night game? Sure, that's one game. Um, I think it's shoots... funny that there was somebody who, an Oklahoma City media person who tweeted out like, I think this was his best game and it was not that game. It was another game where he had like 23, 16, and seven blocks. Uh, so the, I guess the only point I can make about it is if you took a 21-year-old center out of the NCAAs and dropped them onto an NBA team, or you took an NBA, let's say you took an NCAA team and you put them into the NBA for 25 games, that would be the worst team that you've ever seen in the NBA, right? Because they're an NCAA team, which is functionally what Oklahoma City was the last 25 games last year, other than when they beat the Celtics. They lost every game by 25 points. But a 21-year-old playing against NBA players who puts up 10 and 10 every night over the course of 25 or 30 games would get drafted. Would he get drafted 16th? I don't know, because teams are trying to avoid drafting centers. But like that's a guy who would get drafted. Um, so I, I agree with the idea that like the balance of this trade of 16 for Moses Brown is like, you know, maybe that's a difference of 10 or 15 draft slots, you know, at the back end of the first round, like there is some return value there. He and they got the, and they got the second round pick and they got the second round pick in 2022 when they traded one, but they got, but you, that you think that OKC pick coming back is going to be in the yeah. early to mid thirties. So that's, that's, again, I don't even, you moved up a few spots from the one you gave up. 
I didn't even look at what teams are those what those picks are associated. Do you know do you know that it's OKC's pick? I want to say it's oh I didn't I'll look at the press release, but I want to say it's it's their pick. If it's their pick, then that's good. Right. Uh, the 2025 pick, I don't know if it's the Celtics pick. They own the Memphis pick now, 2025 as yeah, well. Yeah, so it could be so, one of those. Yeah. I'll, uh, whatever. I'll try to find that out. 20 second round pick shuffling, fine, whatever it might be. Um, but he's right, like he's a seven foot two center who, because he doesn't shoot free throws very well, even though he gets to the free throw line a lot, and because he doesn't shoot threes at all is not like a super efficient offensive player, um, but he blocks shots and he's big and he's better. He's going to be better than taco. Right? <laughs> Poor um, taco by taco. Yeah. That's okay. Unless Tristan gets moved and then maybe taco stays. No, mm-hmm. still. I, well, I mean, tacos, I guess has one more year of eligibility yeah, do for, for yeah. two way, but um, that would be really weird to have both of them. Right. But so no. I don't know. Like, what do you think? I mean, you've seen, have you seen yeah, I mean, yeah, I, that one I, game and some highlights? I, I probably, today? probably like, saw one. You know, I, I saw two games they played OKC and just he was on my fantasy basketball team. So I've been following him through that. Um, yeah, he, he shoots, he can shoot free throws, but as a third or fourth center, sure. For, and maybe he turns into a rotation center on an OK team um, or a good team, I should say. So, but that's. Um, can he st- stand behind Joel Embiid and wait for the double team to come or does he get run over? That's the question. That's the question we all want to know. And we will find out uh, probably, I guess he probably, he won't pray summer league now. I would assume his third season in, but we'll see who ends up still being around on that roster. Um, his first season wasn't a real season though, right? No. Yeah. He, he played, he was two way. He played nine games. games. Two-way, yeah. Right? Yeah. So maybe they, maybe they do. Maybe they do have him. that. Actually, the one thing is that that actually does matter for the end of his contract, because I believe that means that if they, they can't make him, un- they can't make him restricted if he like really hits, because he would still have four years. Right. You know, yeah. Like, but that's such like small potatoes at the end, whatever. Right. Like, whatever. Um, if you get to that point with him, you're really happy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that would be I a big know. one. It's all right. Fine. Yeah. It's, uh, again, we all have plenty of time to, to break this down more um, in the coming weeks, but I think we covered our bases pretty well in terms of everyone involved. Um, again, it's too bad it didn't work out with Kemba. Just a real tough situation with the injuries. Um, never got to see. What do you look like at 100% in the postseason? And the Celtics, the fit with what he's able to do now just wasn't there. And so the Celtics take a step towards uh, fixing this team for the future with this move. And be sure to uh, follow Ryan on Twitter at DangerCart, as always. Much appreciated for hopping on from Emergency Pod. Oh, I do have a statement from Rich to, for us to end up on um, since he was not able to join us today. Let's pull this up here. Rich says, thank you, Kemba, for two years of good vibes and positivity. Thank you, Brad, and front office for doing what needed to be done. Thank you in advance to whoever take, team takes Tristan. Moses will set us free. That is Rich Levine's closing statement there. Um, well we're all said, on the Rich. Same page then. <laughs> yeah, he, I think pretty he, much we're all on the same page. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, glad you chimed in with that. That was perfect. Um, all right, thanks again, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week.